Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. The show's name today, BJ Shea, is on assignment, but he will be back soon-ish? Yeah, probably. And running the boards is... Joey Dees. Hi. I almost forgot your name. Oh, please don't forget my yeah. name. Sorry about that. You're the one who's here. Just think kangaroo. Kang- oh, kangaroo. On today's show, we will discuss a new uh, source book for Dungeons & Dragons. Ooh. Some really fun one-shots that'll help you. Uh, maybe uh, maybe you don't have a full campaign. You just want to have some fun with your friends. This is what you do with it. Also, we will get in talking about the movie Dune, the update of what we know about Dune and everything going on along with that. And uh, so if you're not familiar with uh, the whole concept of it, maybe this will help you out. And of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknation.com. Get our blogs, podcasts, and more. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but just search BJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Radio.com, and iTunes to find us. Yes, so many ways to find us. And uh, uh, send us uh, your reviews on stuff that you've checked out, whether it be movies, video games, comic books, television shows, all the geeky stuff that we know and love. Uh, one of the biggest things out there uh, recently, Recently, I mean, especially even looking at like what Wizards of the Coast has done with Magic the Gathering uh, is also their other offshoot, which is Dungeons and Dragons. Those are their big mainstays. And D&D 5E has just made it accessible for so many people. And with this pandemic, what a great thing to do. Yeah. And just uh, like I'm usually playing online, either going like through Zoom or with like Discord uh, and then using apps like Roll20 or Fantasy Grounds and then mixing in that with D&D Beyond, which lets you build a character, get books. If you don't want the physical copies uh, at your local gaming store, you know, you can do it all online. It literally has a dice roll like built into it and it works with other virtual tabletops as well super solid um if you don't have a group or you're trying to figure out a way to start a group one of the best ways to do that is maybe host a series of one shots which is basically a self-contained story which most of the time you can do in a session uh, maybe it'll go across maybe one or two sessions, but if you don't want to have a very long campaign or people can't really necessarily spend a much that much time in doing that, one-shots are a great way to go about it. So this would be something like maybe going on a uh, quest to slay the Goblin King? Exactly. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, you've been tasked to go slay the Goblin King. You do a thing, and then you come back, and then boom, that that is done. Nice. Self-contained, and then you can take those characters and maybe go on a different one-shot as you're continuing to go on. Uh, D&D did put out a new book that is actually really akin to this because it's called Candlekeep Mysteries. It's available now. You can get it physically or digitally through D&D Beyond. It's a collection of 17 mysterious 5th edition adventures for players from level 1 to 16, which means you can start characters in some of those adventures, or you can insert these as maybe kind of an offshoot. Maybe not everyone showed up for a session, so you want to have the, some of the characters be able to go on to do it. Um, what they say about this is historians, sagers, sagers, 
sages, and others who crave knowledge flock to the library fortress of Candlekeep to peruse its vast collection of books, scribbled onto which are the answers to the mysteries that bedevil them. Many of these books contain their own mysteries, each one a doorway into adventure. Will your players dare to cross the threshold? And Candlekeep Mysteries is a collection, like I said, of 17 one-shot standalone adventures, 1 to 16 levels. These adventures can be run as one-shots or plugged into an existing Forgotten Realms campaign or easily adapted to other campaign settings. And I know one of the things is that some people wanted to see how they could fit these into settings like Eberron, which is outside of the Forgotten Realms. And it's really simple. You have a big library somewhere sure. like of arcane knowledge. For Eberron, it's in Sharn. There is the uh, basically the arcane laboratory, or not laboratory, library, where people go and congregate, do all the same things that they would do at Candlekeep. Um, some of the uh, things that you can discover through Candlekeep's threshold, uh, through the threshold is the 17 self-contained mystery-themed adventures, short, bite-sized content for easy consumption and preparation. Each adventure begins with discovery of a book, and each book is the key to a door behind which danger and glory awaits. Variety of levels of play spanning the breadth of the game for easy adaptation, usable in any game in or out of Forgotten Realms, and in includes a poster map of the library fortress itself and detailed description of Candlekeep and its inhabitants. And you can get it, like I said, digitally or not. And they have the adventure bundle, which is just the uh, a whole uh, whole crux of all the things that you can get with that assets and such for digitally or you can get the legendary bundle and uh, obviously a little bit more but you get more stuff with it uh, definitely and uh, in addition to any DMs out there who want to uh, expand their gaming horizon now you've done uh, some DMing in your uh, days right Rev? Yes I have so these seem pretty basic but I bet uh, you know as one off quests you could kind of add your own little flavor into these as well because you can yes. kind of have encounters as they go along to find their final quests Exactly. And these, a lot of the times, can be things where you have this one shot, but maybe at the end of it, there's an item that you can have that is either a MacGuffin for a different area or maybe the larger picture of your um, story or, again, just a little self-contained thing that is just a little side thing. And if maybe one of the inhabitants is a, uh, a contact for another person, that's how they bring Ooh. them in, or they link everything together. Maybe one of your characters knows a scribe in the library and is in constant need of help because maybe they're the ones that are screwing everything up. Uh-oh. Or losing the books. Are you the hero or the villain? Well, you know, sometimes yeah, you can't really tell the difference. You roll the one. Guess what? <laughs> you the villain. <laughs> You're the bad guy. Um, moving on from that, let's talk a little bit about what we know from Dune. Uh, Joey, I know you're super stoked for this. This is the movie that I got confused with Tremors. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think everyone did. Yeah, the sandworms in, uh, in uh, Dune are slightly bigger than the graboids in Tremors. Uh, significantly Slightly. bigger. <laughs> yes. But yes, I'm stoked for this movie. The actors, the scenery, the story, it all looks great. Uh, I was a little disappointed to hear we weren't going to get it last year and then really disappointed when the updated date was also last year, like winter, we didn't get What's going on with it now? Well, I don't know necessarily when it's being released. Oh. No. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm going to run down a little bit of the information about Dune in itself. Now, it was uh, a book, a novel, actually a series of novels by Frank Herbert. Uh, the 1965 novel uh, is set in the far distant future. 
galaxy far, far away, except for uh, instead of Star Wars, it's uh, which was in the past. This one's in the future. And where a select noble houses from different planets owe their allegiance to a, allegiance to a powerful emperor. Dune centers around a young man named Paul Atreides, whose family takes over stewardship of the desert planet Arrakis, also known as Dune. Arrakis is the only source of the spice melange, the most important and valuable substance in the universe, which allows hyperspace travel, among other things. Also, like... Uh, like super intelligence and all sorts of crazy stuff. Very, very complex and sprawling story involving politics, religion, feuding, noble houses, love, and betrayal. Kind of think along the lines of like Game of Thrones and Star Wars. Um, super epic. The original movie was a bit confusing because of all the stuff that came out, plus David Lynch did it. So oh. visually beautiful. Had people like Sting and Patrick Stewart in it. Um, some notables along those lines. And I thought it was, like I just said, beautiful and confusing. Okay, so I haven't seen it. I've only seen Tremors, hilariously enough. <laughs> uh, do you think it's worth it to watch it before, or should I just go in the dark and watch Dune, the new Dune first, which will probably come out, I assume, either the end of this year or beginning of next year? I would... Uh, see, that's the kind of a hard aspect on that, because I feel since you haven't seen it, I would be more interested in having you watch the updated version since you don't know necessarily anything about the Dune franchise. You're not going to get any explanations when it comes down to the original movie. And I'm afraid I'd spoil the ending maybe if it matters kind and of that's, thing. I, yeah, because the, it really essentially what happens is is like David Lynch does the first half of the movie and the second half of the movie is almost essentially a, a montage to get you to the end. Oh, gosh, because they go like Game of Thrones season kind part of, one. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I want to see what they do with this, and I would, I think that you might actually enjoy it a bit more. I don't know yet because we really don't know what's going to happen with the movie. All right, I'm going to wait, but let me see if I got this plot correct now. <laughs> I can remove tremors from my mind finally. <laughs> yeah, good luck okay, with that. Okay, so High Society... Super valuable uh, resource that everyone's after, and there's some sort of, I don't know, corrupt political betrayal that goes on, and then something <laughs> happens at the end. Exactly. And okay. it's all revolving around the melange, yes. the spice. It's the biggest thing there. And again, yeah, yeah, super like betrayal, backstabbing, all the fun stuff that you would see in any sort of like uh, medieval fantasy or high uh, high fantasy sort of setting. I love that they call it a spice, too, because back before spices were readily available to us across the world, they were fought over a lot. So, yeah, like theme. between yeah spices and tea, yeah. like those are the two <laughs> things that really it forged the world and you wouldn't imagine how how many wars were started because of those right and it'd be nfts and coffee now <laughs> f and f nfts man right uh it looks like dune will be split into two movies uh the director did confirm this with vanity fair he says i would not agree to make this adaptation of the book with one single movie the world is too complex which i think was the part of the problem of the original one Thank you for telling me that now. 
When I saw the first Lord of the Rings movie as a kid, I didn't realize they were splitting it up into three movies. <laughs> I remember thinking two and a half hours into it, my God, this is going to be the longest movie of all time, but I love it. <laughs> um, it looks like some of the stars in this are going to be Timothy Chalamet, who will play Atreides, uh, the central figure of the saga. Dave Bautista, you may know as Drax. Uh, you may be able to see him in this movie. He will be reteaming with uh, Dennis Villanueva uh, from Blade Runner 2049 with the director. He's playing a uh, nickname. Uh, his nickname in this is Beast, the sadistic eldest nephew of Baron Vladimir Harkon. Harkonnen, the overseer of the planet Arrakis. So it'll be sort of the, the the natives versus the people who feel that they... A lot of colonialism sort of uh, aspects when it comes down no to No subtleties there with the name Beast. No! Um, also, Oscar Isaac, which you may know as Poe from a galaxy far, far away, he will be uh, Duke Leto Atreides, which is father to the film's main character, uh, and uh, some other characters. Uh, Javier Bardem will be in this as well. Seriously, like so many great actors. Yeah, there's a lot of amazing people in this. And I want to say Zendaya is in it as well, which you may remember as MJ in the new Spider-Mans. Lots of people in it. Even Josh Brolin is in it. What? Yeah, Thanos Cable is in it. I was going to say, is Cable time travel into this world or something? <laughs> He's neither Thanos nor Cable in this. Oh. Yeah, so don't worry about that. And um, and yes, actually, you will see a lot of sandworms in it as well. I mean, one of the trailers showed a person standing next to one that was just surfacing. So they are still in it. Well, if it looks anything like the Mandalorian's sandworm did, it's going to be freaking awesome. And it looks like as of right now, again, things can be delayed it's being pushed back to October 1st, 2021. That is an acceptable acceptable so, date. <laughs> this year, probably. Ish. Ish. And you have to hope because that's all you got. <laughs> that's all we got these days. <laughs> that is all you have. Um, if there are people out there who are more versed in the Dune universe and want to kind of try to Dune-splain it to us, I don't think that I would be bothered by that. Uh, if there's any little tidbits that you're excited for, I would love to hear about that. Hit me an email at uh, bjgeeknation at gmail.com or post on our socials and let us know all about that. But now it is time to get to the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. What's up, Vicky? Uh, so I feel like we've probably done something similar to this before, that there have been he heroes and villains, but who was really the hero or who was right all oh, along, basically? Okay. Ooh, okay. The Punisher in a nutshell. Well, <laughs> uh, yep. And uh, Thanos did nothing wrong. You can calm down. Uh, actually, I did see one of those, the prove, uh, prove me wrong or something means. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, Wanda was a bigger villain in WandaVision than Agatha was. Prove me wrong. You're not wrong. Right? Absolutely Can't correct. Can't disagree. <laughs> <laughs> she did more harm. But I, side note, I was thinking when I read that, I did have a moment of thinking. I'm like, you know what? I like that she wasn't perfect. Like, was she right? No, she screwed up mentally a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the PTSD those people are going to have? Right. It just proves that. You know they're 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 not perfect. They're just exactly. they're superheroes. They're not perfect. And that's which why you, I, that's why you I like them. Yeah. But there's a lot of people saying that like Killmonger was not wrong mm -hmm. in a lot of things. Just the way he you know handled it probably could have been better. He exactly. might have still been alive. Mm -hmm. But uh, I did find sci-fi villains who are right all along, and I was curious if you guys Ooh. would agree with these. Okay, this is a good call. I like these. If you guys have any that you have in mind, I can do a quick. Look around, see I'll if I'll tell you my mind is right away. Mm. Lex Luthor's a hero. 
Lex Luthor is a hero. What? Superman's very presence creates a challenge of power to the point that will create chaos and destruction of planet Earth. You're you're wow. Yeah, you're not I mean, it's that one sort of thing where yeah, Lex Luthor sees an alien embodiment who is the most powerful being on the planet, if not, you know, a galaxy, and he's like, if this goes unchecked, there's a danger there. Yeah, he sees Superman as an apex predator, and there's no proof that he's the only one, just his own, you know, Superman's word. So mm-hmm. in his mind, he has to then challenge the apex predator, which is to try to kill him. Ooh. So is Lex Luthor on this list? And you're talking about one from Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice? Uh, yeah, Lex Luthor was an interesting portrayal, but we'll just go, sure, why yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is number 14. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I I do love this. It's like, let's not wade into the debate of how ridiculous that was, like his plan and everything. Yeah, right. Uh, And just focus on the guy's motive. The Superman of Man of Steel versus Batman v Superman is not the Superman of the comic books. And this made for uh, this is made abundantly clear when he does a little to stop mass carnage during his squirmish or yeah skirmish with Zod at the end of Zack Snyder's 2013 film. Yeah. And before slaying Zod, uh, a decidedly un-Superman move, Clark and the villainous Kryptonian cause buildings to collapse around them like it's Dragon Ball Z fight or something. <laughs> Superman and Zod essentially level an entire city and that kind of power cannot be ignored. So Luther concocts a plan to bring the Man of Steel down and why did Batman get involved? We don't know, but there is something to the idea that the DCEU's Superman is kind of a threat to humanity based on the climax of Man of Steel, at least. So, yes, you're right. Yeah! <laughs> and just kind of on that same thought, and I doubt that he's on it, but I would consider uh, Age of Ultron, Ultron, actually not being so bad. I mean, obviously, yes, he's bad. But, I mean, to be perfectly honest, he was just an AI who was on the internet for five minutes and realized how terrible humans are. So, so if that was your only interaction with humans was being on the internet, I can't really blame you when you want to get rid of everybody. He's not on this list, but somebody else you said earlier is. Who? Who did you say? I don't remember. Thanos is number oh, 12. Nice. Thank you. So, I just figured like I, that was just a throwaway line. I figured that they weren't going to actually say that. <laughs> so, I mean, we know, we know, we know. He took Akamora, Loki, Vision, Hemdall, all in cold blood, and he wiped out you know, half of all of life with Mm -hmm. the infamous snap. We get it. He's a bad dude who should not be trifled with. But damn it, he has a point. He's a genocidal maniac, but he had a point. It is simple calculus. (laughs) He said to his adoptive daughter, the universe is finite. You know, resources are finite. The life left unchecked, life will cease to exist. However, I just thought of if he were to like half all of life. So you're halving all of the bees that we don't have a whole lot of bees. So Mm -hmm. you're basically cutting our food supply down anyways. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, cutting half of all the cows, half all the cows, meat, anything that might pollinate anything. So you're not really doing us a favor, bro. You're just kind of leaving us back to where we started, except maybe a few more deaths because how many airplane pilots or people driving Right? Did you snap out of existence? How many people in airplanes got blipped back with the airplane no longer being mid-flight and suddenly you're just up in the air? Yep. Whoa. Like, like I made it as a joke because there are so many intricacies that people have uh, uncovered, uh, especially like in Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, when they're going through the uh, going through the prison and they're being set up, and you get, you get to see all the little setups of like like uh, the UI of like mm-hmm. the the information on the people. And Gamora, it said the last of her race, but then you see in uh, 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 Infinity War when he's doing the perfectly balanced talk with her and distracting before they kill half of. 
the people of her planet that, okay, so there was half of the planet, but Thanos never went back to check on it. That means her whole planet afterwards was eradicated and she's the last one of her species. Yep. Like, He's not a good dude. He has a reasoning that, if you look at it on the surface, is good, but is very fundamentally flawed, as we've basically just broken it apart. Yeah, his whole idea is that he wants to see his goals, you know, in his lifetime. Yeah. He wants to see them succeed. That doesn't generally happen when you're trying to fix the universe. Yeah, you're hitting the fast forward <laughs> button, and there's going to be complications. Uh, one Another one that we had mentioned earlier that is on the list number six... Eric Killmonger from Black Panther. Yeah. Like, he's definitely not somebody you want to root for because, you know, he's his name is Killmonger. It's like he's done a lot of, <laughs> about, a lot of killing. Um, but in one of the things he states when confronting T'Challa is like, you're all sitting here, up here comfortable, must feel good. There's about two billion people around the world who look like us and their lives are a lot harder. Wakanda has the tools to liber- liberate all of them. And by the end of the film, T'Challa himself has to come around to the cause. Alas, not in the way Killmonger would have wanted, but Killmonger wanted to raise an army to conquer the world, while T'Challa took that liberation plan and turned it into a more hopeful program of outreach and advancement. Well, and I mean, you see that when you first see Killmonger uh, at the in the opening scenes mm-hmm. when he's in the uh, when he's museum. in the museum, and he's just like, yeah, in like England, they have these beautiful museums and all these different things, and like Buckingham Palace filled with a bunch of stolen artifacts from other cultures which uh, funny okay so if not to get too deep but i'm gonna do it here we go uh there is a it's a play slash comedy special by john leguizamo if you guys probably remember him from the 90s it's on netflix he was in the spawn movie he, yes <laughs> and he actually was on an episode of the the season vandalorian he was a big uh, costume the bartender oh was it really yeah, him that was him oh that's he's, funny if you guys watch ice age he's the sloth <laughs> he said oh it's him nice. but he he's actually a comedian pretty filthy but he does a series called latin american history for morons on oh. netflix and it is very fascinating very informative and hilarious based on his struggles with his son getting bullied at school for his race and oh. one of the things he mentions while he's teaching this history he's like wait so i have a question why is it that our art is folk art and all of European art is fine art and then modern art is just our art gentrified? Yeah. <laughs> or what is it? not that gentrified? Um, appropriated. Uh, appropriated. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was I mean, hilarious. Gentrified still works there, yeah. though, I think. Right. Appropriated. <laughs> it and gets the point across. That's kind of what it, that's like when I heard that, that made me think of like, that oh, scene. I'm ah. like, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Luckily, now we can all live in a lifetime where it's just, is the art old? Because then it's art. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another villain, and I, I, it's one of those I want to go back and watch this movie because I forgot how much I loved him in this role, oh. was Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan in Star Trek Into Darkness. Oh, such a good portrayal. I can't believe people didn't like that movie. Right? Well, the problem was because it wasn't Ricardo Maltabon's Khan. Yeah. So people are just like, well, it's not the same one. It's less personal than it just the battle between... Uh, 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 Kirk and Khan. It wasn't just that. It was so much more. Uh, so what this article is saying is fans of the original incarnation of the character from Star Trek II, or The Wrath of Khan, know the titular Khan is not a man to be trifled with. Truth. The Khan of Star Trek Into Darkness is much like the original, a genetically engineered superhuman who is reminiscent of what Steve Rogers would become if he were also a dastardly super genius in addition to being a super soldier. And Benedict Cumberbatch delights in his role as a madman who has been pushed to the very brink by forces beyond his control. 
So Cumberbatch's con was forced to design weapons by an evil Starfleet admiral and turn terrorist because he thought his cryogenically frozen countrymen had been wiped out. He's not exactly a good person, but we understand where he's coming from. And during Cumberbatch's big scene between himself, Chris Pine's Kirk, and Zachary Quinto's Spock, viewers can feel his pain emanating through the screen. My crew is my family, Kirk, he pleads. Is there anything you would not do for yours? Oh, I just got chills. Yeah, right. Now I need to go back and watch that. <laughs> the, like The third movie was... Uh, mm, yeah. Uh, I, you know, so the thing is, right, the second movie is is uh, a new take on the old series, and it's right. done really well, right? Like, that's the idea why I liked it so much. I'm like, yeah, it's not the original comp, but it's not supposed to be. It's a different right. timeline, yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada. And Benedict Cumberbatch is such a good actor. Yeah. And you like watching it, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Khan would do these things in this scenario. Khan's looking out for his crew. He's evil, but he's evil because of his society, not because he was born evil. Whereas in the other one, it's a little bit different, I think. Yeah. The third movie is more of a trip around the Star Trek universe. You know, like this is what a movie could have been. 10, 15, 20 years ago kind of a thing. Fun, it's, but it's, not really serious. It was serious. very a, lo- yeah. a long episode for sure. And wasn't Idris, Idris Elba was the bad guy in that? Yep. Yeah, I totally forgot was, about that. He was he was made up again, like like in, like in uh, not really recognizable until the very end when it was like, well, he needs to be in a disguise, so we're just going to have him shoot some scenes without makeup. Right, it was just... It was it was awkward. It was. It I was, always say this: don't start off a Star Trek uh, movie by destroying the Enterprise. It just never goes well. <laughs> but you can destroy it at the end of the movie. At the end is fine. <laughs> the beginning, you kind of lose it. Uh, did you guys both watch Serenity? Yes. I no, I did not. Oh no, okay. I, I haven't even finished the full, great movie, full Firefly, and like, I totally... great series. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, and I'm not going to say his name right, uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, he was actually in the Doctor Strange movie. Uh, oh yeah, he was, I think he was, uh, Mord- Mordo. Yes. Yeah. I believe it was him. Mm-hmm. Um, he portrayed a villain only known as the Operative in Firefly's 2000 spinoff film, Serenity. So the Operative is a strikingly, strikingly rational antagonist with a fine ses- sense of decorum. He is a man who fights for order and deep down he knows he's male- malevolent. I'm a monster. What I do is evil. I have no illusions about that, but it must be done, he says to Nathan Fillion's Malcolm after slaying dozens of innocent people. Alas, the operative was doing only what he was tasked with doing, tracking down and stopping a band of outlaws who are set on releasing news that can create untold amount of chaos across the galaxy. We are rooting for the crew of Serenity all the way and cheer when the operative gets his uh, comeuppance. But we'd be lying if his rationale didn't make just a little bit of sense. It's the whole aspect of like when you watch something like uh, uh, Hunger Games with mm-hmm. like Katniss and like, yeah, like uh, President Snow is a giant pain in the ass. But you're trying to bring out, down a system that a lot of people were just sort of born into right. and don't know any other way. And they don't even know about all the people that are suffering in the districts. Right. And I feel like sometimes, unfortunately, there needs to be a giant kaboom when it comes to that kind of things like everything has to restart like a reset and it's going to be hard and it's going to be a lot of conflict but sometimes you need it yeah his character in serenity is great because he's kind of like the religious superhero where Mm -hmm. he has like he's really powerful and you can tell he's obviously a leader and that kind of thing he's hunting him down this whole time yeah and you don't really feel bad for him because he's just following his way, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that similarly comes through in the movie when at the end and how he... Well, I won't spoil anything because he hasn't seen the movie. Oh, but anyways, <laughs> uh, his character is cool. I always thought his character was really well portrayed. Mm-hmm. I, I, why it's so good. And for the longest time, I really wanted a crossover in Serenity. 
at, when I thought they were going to do another series right. for Firefly and stuff, where Firefly meant the Chronicles of Riddick. Oh. oh, yeah. Like they were set or just like some sort of portal like mushes them together. So they're space pirates, right? Yeah. So they're going on this mission, right? And they run into Riddick on a planet as they're trying to salvage some broken thing. And then all of a sudden it becomes this like mash of the two series. Oh, okay, I, this is something I never knew I wanted, but I really want. Yeah, dude. And I was like, Vin Diesel would be like a space cowboy too. Come on. <laughs> It'd be awesome. <laughs> Joe slash fic. I, oh. I have one more. Okay. Agent Smith from The Matrix. All right. You know what? Mm, uh, I, I mean, mm, it, that's complicated. Like, let's hear their reasoning on this one. He says, when interrogating the captured Morpheus, Smith sums up his views on humanity quite succinctly. It says, you move to an area and you multiply and multiply until every natural resource is consumed. The only way you can survive is to spread to another area. There is another organism on this planet that follows the same planet. And you know what it is? A virus. Mm-hmm. Human beings are a disease, a cancer on this pla- a cancer of this planet. You are a plague and we are the cure. I mean, it's very much Thanos. It's uh, uh, Thanos go- adjacent. <laughs> yeah, or even uh, just the same lines of Ultron adjacent. Yes. Like if you look at it, it's a sentient AI who has decided to uh, buck the trend and uh, just kill everybody. It's like you're not wrong, but I would like to live. Thank you. Yeah, I like this. <laughs> if it was one movie, I think I could agree. After three, I think that kind of gets thrown out the window a little bit. Well, I mean. After almost four. <laughs> after they make, you know, Neo Jesus. <laughs> well, I mean, Neo Jesus. Ne- Neo has always been Jesus when. When it comes down to all of it. And I do like the fact that they blew up uh, Smith at the end of the first movie. And then afterwards, he himself was the virus. I thought that was a really good kind of spin on that because he literally is what he hates. But he doesn't care at that point. Now his singular goal is just to get rid of Neo. Yeah, which I thought yeah. was a lot cooler. Yeah, it's a cool storyline. Plus, in the first one, that that line makes sense when the humans were the alpha, but when the computers become the alpha, it's like, well, you clearly have created a world where humans can exist on the planet and not pollute yeah. it. So, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Lots of interesting things on that. I would love to hear other people's thoughts on villains. They thought that maybe maybe had the right idea, but went about it a little wrong. There is a few more on this list. You can check them out on our Facebook page. And until next time, stay nerdy.